0: Gather round. This is the Ticket Water Cooler, brought to you by Culligan of Lincoln. You need to be more like a doll. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Yeah. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. What's better than
1: this? Guys being dudes.
0: On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Bakoven and Nathan Brennan. Thanks for joining with us here
1: on a Friday. We're excited for another day of sports talk with you. And a busy day, Friday night lights coming to Lincoln. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of future recruits maybe on campus, and hopefully. I guess a few of them that are already committed. So, uh, very cool time. Uh, June usually is that, turning of the calendar into the upcoming recruiting class. So, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. And certainly when uh, Strick gets here, I want to ask him about kind of the camps that he did in high school. Uh, And, Nate, of course, you were a a star recruit back in your day as well. Did you do too many uh, football camps? (sighs)
0: I was a star recruit. No, I avoided every football camp. Because that's the thing. Usually when people were my size, I could hold my own. When people were bigger than me, I just got pushed around yeah well that's fair enough it's usually kind of how it goes <laughs> uh, but uh, that's exciting to have the all those uh, guys come
1: to Lincoln and hopefully it's it, I've been really impressed to be honest with you not just the fact of the the, the fact that Nebraska high school football seems to be developing and, and pu- putting out more recruits yeah. at least in the last couple of years it seems like than they had in the past um, obviously Nebraska's connection to that has been hit and miss some years but uh, you know seems to be restored a little bit but especially with just the situation that's in place Uh, as we talk about recruits, and and it happened today, too, with Nebraska basketball getting a a commit, um, and similar kind of thought for me in there uh, is both programs seem to be doing or seem to be still having the pitch that's necessary to get the interest of these kids, despite the fact that there's not much job security, necessarily, unless they can
0: turn things around. The thing is, though, we we talk about job security a lot, and I would say that the jobs are are, are somewhat secure. Uh, they're both taking a pay cut. They're they're both have been told that they're keeping their position. Yes, a, a bad season could change that immediately not just a bad season the same season that they've but had the thing is you can't go in with that mentality Bach like we're not, we're not, not, not going to renew someone's contract if we just assume that they're going to have the same season if not worse <laughs> I mean you are bringing these guys back with the hope and the thought that they're going to be better that doesn't always happen that way and I know that you are a little bit pessimistic like, in that well stance, yeah just at least in one situation we're not going to you know, have a historic turnaround and I, twice and I, I understand guessing. that but you can't go in with that mentality and just assume, oh, these guys are going to be terrible. Because at that point, why do you bring them back? Well, I'm not saying What's Trev the does. I'm saying if you're a future high school recruit ready to commit, and maybe it's, you know,
1: maybe some of this uh, transfer portal stuff makes it less difficult or more viable for you to maybe commit to a coach or to a situation that's not stable, thinking that it will go the right way and maybe having that um, kind of in the background of, hey, you know what, I can get – you kind of have the one-time transfer thing. Um, But as a commit, you've got to – in my mind, you'd probably be thinking, okay – where's the stable situation where's the situation where guys are developing and putting them into the NFL and you know all that other stuff the NIL stuff kind of goes into it too and um, whatever it is re- relationship with with the coach or distance from home all that stuff um, that uh, each recruit takes and calculates differently um, but I'm just I'm, I'm being completely honest I'm rather impressed that Scott Frost and staff yeah. has been able to um, look like they they could put it together what I would see is you know perhaps a top 25 recruiting class coming in yeah we'll see i mean i
0: sixth in the transfer portal right. this is the thing though is i think as catastrophic as a lot of fans like to make it out to be and sometimes you do this too Bach. i don't think it's, it's rather it's catastrophic been, if you look at <laughs> but these recruits are still coming like you, you still have the sixth best transfer portal class in the country you're gonna have a top 25 class overall probably top 30 whatever it may be in the country These kids still have some type of faith in the program or else they wouldn't come here. And I know that's not the only decision that you make when you come to a school, but that has to at least be in the back of your mind. Like, what kind of success am I going to have if I come to this school? At least there's some type of faith that you're going to have success or else you wouldn't be here. Well, and I've said it for a long time. I think Nebraska generally, unless
1: there's a short class like there was this past year right. or heavy on on, right, on right. transfers and all that stuff, Nebraska generally will recruit itself into that top 25, top 30 category what regardless. Uh, and that's been shown over the, the coaches, right. you know, Bo Planey and, and Scott Frost and Mike Riley and you know, sometimes you could get as high as eighteen, sometimes you'd drop back to thirty two in the worst case scenarios. But Nebraska seems to kind of recruit itself uh, into that, that category. The fear over the last several years has been these kids have not seen Nebraska football at its highest. And even if they have like childhood memories of Nebraska doing well, that was Bo Pelini years. It's not Tom Osborne years. It's not national championships. It's not in the top 10. It's all that stuff. And so, you know, I think that it's a good sign that there are a lot of Nebraska kids coming to these Friday night lights camps um, and not just, you know, here's some walk on opportunities, you know, guys that are, that are getting scholarship offers um, and hopefully still interested in, in the school. And some of these guys might be that case. And, um, that could kind of take away what I was talking about is maybe these guys want to commit to Nebraska. Maybe some of them want to, want to see um, and be part of the class that brings Nebraska back, regardless of whether Scott Frost is the coach or, or whatever happens in their five years that they, they play here, or if they redshirt or whatever, four years that they play here, um, maybe that's part of the idea. And I hope that it is, not, not to take away from Scott Frost so much as to the fact that that's what it used to be. Now, there used to be a lot of coaching stability, right? You knew it was Tom Osborne. Um, and so, you know, back in the day, or even Frank Solage at that time, you kind of knew... Um, you didn't have this this revolving door of coaches as people like to say which for the, for the record I've been on the record many times I'm not against if you have somebody that's right. not uh, succeeding you don't just stick around in mediocrity or below mediocrity because hey we only gave this guy two and a half years right. well if it's going the wrong way you might want to get you might want to move on and take another swing um, but it it is it, it, it's just fascinating to me um, again both the high school development that's been going on uh, or you know at least maybe it's natural born talent whatever's happening here in Nebraska maybe it's something's entered the water um, but there <laughs> seems to be more Nebraska talent over the last several years and, you, I,
0: you know, you just want to combine that with the idea that these guys want to stay in state, which hasn't been the case every year. Well, that's the thing, too, is if you have a school like Nebraska, look, you're never going to recruit like your Alabama, LSU, Ohio State. It's just not the reality of the situation. It's never going to happen. It's plain and simple. But I think that's been the, Nebraska's problem, like you said, is that if you are a kid in Nebraska, the recent success hasn't been there like it just hasn't been there and that's normally what propels those recruiting recruiting classes that's what get these kids in the building on campus and that's part of the problem and what I'm worried about Buck and I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this is that a lot of these kids you have to think about their parents so a lot of kids if you're if you grew up in Nebraska and you were a Nebraska fan your parents are telling you oh about the glory days because they all remember that where maybe 10 years away from even the parents not remembering the glory days of Nebraska football. So that's where I think it gets a little bit interesting because, yes, these kids, obviously you're growing up probably with Taylor Martinez now. Like, if you're an 18-year-old kid, who would you grow up really knowing? Taylor Martinez? It it depends on how how
1: much you're into football as a kid. Let's say eight years old. I'm assuming these kids are pretty into football if they're – all right, but not everybody's – you know, really watching college football when they're six. Right. You know, some guys it will take a while or maybe they, they don't necessarily get there. I always kind of put them, you know, around the eight years old um, type of range. Right. Um, so about 10 years ago. So which, is, which was the Taylor, end of Taylor Martinez. Yeah.
0: Oh, and that's the thing too is, but then you have to think their parents are remembering literally the glory days. So you can still fall back on that. I know that you can say the parents don't matter. Look, your kid and your parents matter, especially from the state of Nebraska. What I'm worried about is that in the next 10 years, if your success doesn't take it to the next level, even the parents, like people my age don't remember that. Like what I remember growing up of of Nebraska football was – Literally like the Taylor Martinez era. Like, yeah. I'm these kids' Bob Bo yelling at Bo- and that's <laughs> That's what I know because that's my age. And then in 10 years, those are going to be the people that are having kids. And that's where I think you might get a little bit worried that as a Nebraska fan base, how far, because that's the thing is you went from the 70s, you can bank on that. The 90s, you can bank on that. You haven't really had that 20 year, so then you bounce 20 years later in 2010s. You don't really have that. So I I might be thinking way too much, and I may be kind of all over the place with my thought process here, but I think a lot of it is when you're in the state of Nebraska, you know about that history. Your parents talk about it. Your parents' friends talk about it. That's kind of what and, you and grow still, up knowing. For,
1: for what it's worth, it's still the only show in town. It's still kind of what takes right. over. It, regardless, that's what we talk about. The fan support here being so magnificent is it. the team hasn't been great for a long time. And they've had good years and, and down years, certainly recently. Um, but there still is this feeling of like that's – I mean, you still have to not get married on game days. Is what I'm saying. Like You, <laughs> you still have to
0: plan around Husker game days in Nebraska. When do you think, if that ever reaches a point where that's not the case, um, I don't know if that's necessary. I mean,
1: certainly it's 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 fading to a degree, and it's hard to necessarily point out because the other the other situation you're dealing with is like if you're trying to gauge that by sellouts, uh, the sellout streak certainly, and um, just game day atmosphere and stuff like that is that, you know, Nebraska's dealing with the same problem everybody else is, which is big screen TVs at home and uh, you know, your cell yeah. phone and all that stuff is making it a lot easier yeah. uh, and more enjoyable to watch the game from wherever you are, especially with cell phones these days. You don't have to be at home. Um so, you know, that sort of thing uh is, is hard to gauge. But I think that I think it certainly would take a toll uh after a while Uh, If you've just never never been in it, we talk talk about being born in the Matrix, right? If you're not, if you (laughs) if you were born in the Matrix, how would you know what the if you were born in the Matrix because it's all you know. And in this case, the Matrix is a bad is a bad deal. It's Nebraska football um, not uh, not taking off, not uh, being like it's crazy. When I was a kid, it's it wouldn't be unfamiliar to me, or um, it it wouldn't be outside the norm for me to see Nebraska finish in the top t- five regularly and expect to be a national champion or er, in the national that's championship insane. race. That's honestly, that's crazy. hard for Yeah. Yeah. And
0: to explain like, that, that to a kid, crazy. it's like, like Did someone might cause the recruits are my age. Right. That's the thing that you have to re Like that is unfathomable for me to process. Also Gus, good point. Nathan, how many kids want to go to army for football? They were great in the forties that, okay. It's <laughs> not even close to the same comparison. Like, Army, that's a completely different ballgame. But that's what I think that when I speak on, like, these recruits and where they want to go, I have a good, like, idea or grasp of what they're thinking because they're basically my age. Right. And what I'm worried about is, okay, you get rid of Scott Frost, which has obviously been the discussion that we talk about. Where do you go from there? And that's always been my thing. And I know that's a terrible argument, and I'm not saying you can't do any better. But if the current state of the program, if you're in Nebraska – and you're a top-tier coach. You're someone who's legitimately going to be able to turn this around. Not a group of five guy. Look, Nebraska has been rough, for lack of better words, for too long now. It's it's becoming unacceptable. So you're, But you can't bank on a group of five guy having a miraculous run in the group of five and then being great in the power of five. You need a stable coach that's been there before. And I'm worried that you might not get that anymore. Well, for what it's worth, it, Nebraska hasn't had to go down the group of five road necessarily
1: until Scott Frost, until somebody with connections to you. I don't think Nebraska's um, fallen below, you know, kind of that standard. You look at the Big Ten, just the Big Ten when these jobs come open recently, and it's not, you know, it, see, these aren't g- glorious programs, but Minnesota's getting PJ Flex. And um, and I know he's, you know, he was kind of the hot Western Michigan Power Five group and of five. That's my point. Guy. But
0: those guys don't grow on trees.
1: They don't, but the, the point is the Big Ten and the SEC have the money, and the money's always going to be th- – that's what's going to keep Nebraska kind of relevant right. as long as they need to be is that the money's always going to be there. Maybe you're talking like generations and generations down the road when these kids are the, the heavy donor age, right. um, when it might take a hit or whatever. Um, but it's uh, – it's I, I don't fear that Nebraska the, – the, the idea that Nebraska – Even when Scott Frost was on the top of the world, uh, as he was coming into Nebraska, I always chuckled, chuckled at the idea that if Scott Frost can't do it, then who can? Now, I will say there's a little more... Uh, a little more to that to me in with Nebraska basketball because Fred Hoiberg, that type of name is going to be hard to replace. And if Fred Hoiberg couldn't do it, then who can? That might have a little bit more. That weight has a little bit it. more merit. Um, but at the same time, Tim Miles could do it somewhat, and he wasn't like the top hire of his office. So I mean it's still possible. You never you never get into this rut where Nebraska just has enough uh to work with in basketball and in and certainly in football um that they can that there's no there're no world where it's like this this is just damned forever. They're never going to get no,
0: out. No, no no no, not uh, the basketball eh. Uh, has been <laughs> d- forever, Basketball, but it's not. Internal. It's a little bit different. No, but football also. Spartan Steve, I understand the army was good in the forties. I'm just saying it's different circumstances because kids don't want to serve. And if you well, go yeah. to army, the Minnesota the, is a better example. Required, Minnesota was a powerhouse serve, in right. like
1: the thirties. Right, And we don't see them in that category. Yeah,
0: Army, but again, kids, that's the thing is you have to serve time in the military when you go to Army. Right. And then some kids just want to go straight to the that's NFL. Completely that, that's completely different. That's completely different. That's what I was trying to say when it was completely different. Um, uh, Augie says Mike Riley felt like a group of five higher even if he wasn't. He did. He came off a losing but, season at Oregon State. That was trying it, to outthink the room, and it was just silly. Let me ask you this, though. Does the fact that Scott Frost came from a group of five worry you at all? like being the hot hire, because again, like you do have the PJ flex where it does work. And I'm not saying that there aren't cases where that's a great hire, but I think when you look at Scott Frost, the perfect, literal perfect situation, the hot hire, the group of five guy hasn't worked at Nebraska. So does that worry you at all? That maybe the next hot group of five coach is who Nebraska goes with? If they aren't again, I think Scott Frost will be fine after this season, but we have different opinions on that. If he ends up leaving and you get in the next big group of five guy, does that not worry you at all? Because that worries me. No, no what worries it me does what worries me more is that Nebraska would
1: be scared to hire the next Scott Frost. That's the idea. Yeah. No, athletic directors often go with the opposite of what they had. And that's what Sean Eichhorst did with Bo Pelini. It was like this guy gets too riled up and he doesn't know what he's what he has here at Nebraska. Let's go get somebody that has a calm demeanor and 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 will appreciate and it what Nebraska horribly. brings to and it right. Horrible. Don't all, it, you know? And, and athletic directors do that all the time. Hire the opposite of the guy that you've just had. That's that's a, that's a silly strategy. If there's another coach of the year that wants to come to Nebraska, go ahead and give him another shot. Just because the previous coach of the year didn't work out, that does not make it a better hire. If you get another A plus hire from all the uh, all the pundits in the off season go ahead and make that hire. Don't be Oh wait, well, no. This guy would be an A+. We need to go very <laughs> deeper and get a B- and then because it's too much like Scott Frost. No. Uh don't overthink it. And again, that's I think what happened with Mike Riley too. Is is overthink trying to overthink the room. Go back in and grab in a guy that wasn't necessarily hot and definitely not hot at the time
0: and, <laughs> and, and certainly. <laughs> that it's still even as someone who wasn't following the team as closely at the time, that was a head scratcher of a hire man. Like I just Still, oh, yeah. I I I don't understand it. I, I, I wish I could explain it to you, either. but I can't.
1: That's like like I said. I, the best I can explain it is that Sean Aykurst was trying to outthink the room, and he certainly hired the opposite of what he had. And you know, the the, the to the to the pro side of it was you know kind of we're t- taking this nine and fourteen. We just need an established coach here that maybe won't freak out in the moments because it seemed like Bo just couldn't get over the hump. Whatever it was, whatever it was on game days of playing bigger teams, they would lose. So they felt like, okay, we need an established head coach to elevate this 9-10 win program, and they thought that he'd had some success in Corvallis with uh, worse rosters in the
0: past. I'm not saying go with the opposite, but I'd certainly be a little bit nervous to go with another group of five guy. Like, I I can't think of... Another group of five guy with a hotter name at the time than Scott Frost. For crying out loud, he went undefeated. What about Luke Fickle right now? But Luke Fickle will just sign that extension with Cincinnati. Well, sure. Like he's made it very and he's clear. moving to the Big 12. He, trust me, he would be that guy, but he's made it very clear he wants to say at Cincinnati. And I wonder if maybe Scott Frost has something to do with that. That's completely hypothetical, but you look... Scott Frost was the hottest name ever probably to come out of the group of five. For crying out loud, he won a quote-unquote national championship, yeah. however you want to interpret that. Coach of that. the year. Coach of the year, undefeated. Luke Fickle is in that same situation. He said, nope, I'm staying at Cincinnati. I have a good thing going here. So, And he probably looks at something like that. And it's just, it, it definitely makes you think. And that, that that was my biggest thing when I said to keep Scott Frost, give him another year. Trust me, if there's another 3-9 season, we're on the same page. I understand that. But after last season, I don't think it was the time to make that decision. I don't think it was time. Especially with the coaching carousel. Think of what a nightmare that would have been last season with all the changes at the coaching coaching level.
1: Yeah. I it would have been wonder, a nightmare. You wonder where, where Nebraska would have landed in that. How about this question? Um, should – you know, Trevor Alberts? obviously, every athletic director, just in case they're even, – even Alabama's athletic director, in case Nick
0: Saban retires tomorrow, should have a list, right? Should. But they're gonna get whatever they want. That's that's the problem with oh, Nebraska right, right now. And in then in the '90s, you probably would be like, "Who's the best guy? Right. He's coming here." You don't really have that luxury anymore. But I thought, to my in my mind,
1: which with, with what uh, Trev was able to do, obviously shorten the buyout, give the whole program a new fresh coat of paint and something some hope back into it. Because I thought, you know, if you kind of kept the same staff and roll over in another year, the hopes go, there's no hope, you know, propelling right. forward. Um, so give it a fresh coat of paint, bring back the hope um save money on the buyout. but I also thought what might be better too is you've been an athletic director at this level for less than one year. Have you even had time to rub elbows, get connections, get the right That's ideas fair. about That's who fair. might be interested who uh and, and you know kind of you know where those things lies to develop those um those relationships i I, I hate to say it. I hope he's doing that right now, and I hope he, I hope you do that regardless of whether your coach is on the hot seat or not. Probably because your coach can leave you at the altar too. So I mean, you've got to kind of get that going. But I thought that that might be part of it too,
0: just building that network. Yeah, absolutely. I think you <laughs> need to. I think you probably needed to. Unfortunately, you're at just... the point that you have to. Oh yeah. And again, like I said too, the way that the coaching carousel works now, you got to pull the trigger sooner than later. Like you can't oh, yeah. you can't wait on this thing. Or else you're gonna be you're gonna lose someone like a Brian Kelly. It's a free-for-all out there. And I mean it's that's, a that's
1: something we can talk about too next is Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley both left the Midwest feeling like they'd hit their ceiling. You know, so that's that's interesting yeah. not just for yeah. Nebraska, but for anybody any Midwestern team making a hire is are you gonna get the top name regardless? because there seems, to, at least right now, it seems to be a ceiling. And you can make fun of me all you want for the SEC, my SEC <laughs> bias or whatever, but it's been like 2005 since somebody other than Ohio State or Clemson has won outside of the SEC, and Clemson's a Southern team.
0: It's been but like been, one uh, title. Okay but, okay, but the SEC has what, Alabama, Georgia? LSU, L- one LSU season. I, listen. Let's not act like it, let's not act like it's all these this Nate laundry list of SEC schools. I'm not saying few. I'm not saying it's that a, they it's, it's are a few dominating, um, but I
1: am oh, not Alabama's dominating. dominating yeah. I'm saying they're not dominating year in year out. But I am telling you that since 2005, okay, Southern teams have won every title. In 2005 was Texas. I mean you you can include Texas in there. Yeah, every title except for Ohio State one year. And these teams and these guys are flocking out of the Midwest. Um, I said flocking, by the way. It probably wasn't the right term there. I could (laughs) have used it better, but that's what I said. Uh, We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss that coming up next year on the Ticket Water Cooler, 93.7 The Ticket. (laughs)